Hey, yo, 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 what's good? What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah K Podcast. Shouts out to everyone listening. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. So this is, uh, you guys probably haven't heard my voice in a week or so, I would say. Uh, I dropped one episode last week, and it was basically my reaction to the Super Bowl, my thoughts, and so forth. Um, so yeah, I let that cook, let you guys, you know, listen to that, whatever, um, thank you. Greatly appreciate that. Uh, this past weekend, I know it was All-Star Weekend. Um, All-Star Weekend wasn't great. I would say it was pretty pretty lackluster. Pretty One of the worst All-Star Weekends I can probably remember up to date. Um, the All-Star Game itself was effortless, not great. Um, yeah, that, that, that was kind of pitiful uh, to watch. So that happened. Obviously, we're getting um closer and closer to the NFL draft. So, you know, NFL draft season is coming around. So I, you guys know I'll definitely be, you know, covering some things on that. Um, NFL free agency, you know, so teams, you know, that, that that's around the corner as well. Um, so NFL really doesn't stop. Uh it's just the offseason. But it, it it don't stop. Like the draft is pretty huge. A lot of people care about the draft. A lot of people care about free agency. Um, we have, you know, obviously that you know NBA is starting to get into the you know the meat the meat and potatoes of their schedule. Uh, college basketball for women's and men's. Obviously, March Madness is around the corner. So you know, I sprinkle some of that in there as well over the next coming weeks. But I wanted this episode is college football. Yes. College football, I and I've been kind of thinking about this. You know, so college football is not, it's not not too far away if you think about it. We're you know we're approaching the summertime, um, and as we get closer and closer to the summertime, obviously we you know college football is going to ramp up. Now I've been thinking about this a lot because you guys put it on my mind. You uh, there's been comments. Uh, I've you know you guys have left me comments. Some people have hit me up and say, hey, how about you rank the new look SEC and the new look Big Ten. And I was like, that's a pretty good idea. And, turn, you know, content is going to be coming, coming kind of slow. So I was like, let me actually take the time to rank these Big Ten, or I should say the new look Big Ten, the new look SEC conferences, conference, and re- conference realignment is huge. And, you know, obviously college football, I mean, it's kind of an exciting time. If you're a college football fan, I think it's an exciting time. Obviously, you got the new look playoff expansion with 12 teams, uh, realignment. I know some people are like, uh, pro-realignment, uh, anti-realignment. But regardless, it's here. And then obviously, EA Sports just announced that the new college football game is coming out this summer. Um, right. Like, you know, there'd be more up to date, you know, details in May, but they dropped a trailer, you know, they dropped a look like they dropped a branding. It looks pretty neat. So I know a lot of college football fans are excited for that. So let's get into it. But prior, you guys know how we get down. I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kip, Isaiah Kip podcast. Shouts out to everyone that is listening. Appreciate everyone. Uh, that uh, is subscribed to the pod or following the pod, you know, that get notifications for the pod, that leave comments for the pod, that, you know, rate the pod. Make sure you rate, make sure you leave a rating. Uh, hopefully it's a good one. 
Uh, but before I get to the rankings um, of both conferences, uh, Steve Sarkeesian, Sark got a contract extension from Texas. And I, his, his story is pretty remarkable. And, you know, people kind of wonder, like, when you think about Nick Saban's legacy, obviously think about the winning, the consistency, the dominance. But I think an underrated part of it that it's going to it's going to continue to show itself as these coaches continue to grow and hopefully elevate and have their own type of success. Um, that's kind of like similar, like, you know, winning national championships is the is the fact that, like, he gave guys like Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian second opportunities and not just not just like, oh, OK, got them a job, whatever. No, 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 no. He has these guys between Sark and Lane Kiffin. These guys are making 20 million dollars combined with their contracts. So it ain't like it, it, it ain't like they, they're just some position coaches or like, no, these guys are top dogs at really good programs, really good programs, high end programs. And with Sark, it ended bad at USC. It, it was kind of embarrassing. It ended bad. It ended bad. So looking back at it, Saban gives him another opportunity. Um, he gets the office coordinator job at Bama. Uh, 2020 was a historic year. They end up winning national championship. And that offense just put up all types of crazy numbers, right? Like Sark, that Sark, that off, Sark was dialing plays so well, he had people believe that Mac Jones was like really him. Uh, crazy, <laughs> crazy times, but he, that end up, you know, he ends up getting the Texas job and first couple years wasn't, was kind of rocky five and seven, eight and five. And in this past year, I thought it was a really big year because that was their last year in the big 12. And I thought it was kind of a, you know, prove yourself. I thought it was kind of a make or break year for Texas or in for Sark, I would say. Um, and boy, did they, did they, did they deliver? They went to the playoff. They were a play away from, you know, winning the semifinals in the playoffs. So I, I, there's there's going to be continued expect high expectations for Texas, but I think this is well-deserved for Sark. And, just, and Sark is a creative offensive mind, uh, one of the best offensive minds in the in the sport. So the, I'm a believer that the cream rises to the top, and I'm not surprised that Sark, with another opportunity, he he made he made the best of it. He's making the best of this opportunity right now. And I would say this about Texas. There are certain programs that, you know, go go they go all out and they build for, you know, collectively for some years and they circle a particular year as their window to win a championship. Like for instance, Washington, they did it this past year where they they had they built they built there was a process and then they circled this year as their year to go all out and it almost worked they almost they got to a national championship um and i think a team like that this year could possibly be old miss uh where they they you know they've went crazy in the transfer portal they've had some really good recruiting classes over the past couple of years um yeah like they're circling this year as their year with Texas, they don't have to do that. They are in an elite class with the Georgias, the the Ohio States, the Bamas, where any given year, 
they have enough resources. They recruit at a level where any given year is their year to win a national championship. Oregon's also in that, like in that upper echelon as well, where any given year, it's their year. So, you know, for all the doubters or naysayers that like doubt if Steve Sarkeesian can like win a big game, like if he could, can he win the national championship? Yes, he can. And he probably eventually will. Um, <laughs> might, might even be this year uh, because Texas is one of those mainstay programs where they continuously are in the championship picture if things are functioning properly with that program. And right now, I'm glad to say it is. So with that being said, let's get to the rankings. Let's get to the SEC rankings. I've developed the criteria. This is not, I'm not ranking these teams. Like, like, like let me be clear. I am not ranking these teams. I am ranking the program. So I developed the criteria. Um, I'm going to, there's a two to three year average that I'm looking at. I'm looking at you from the last two to three years, not 2024, not what you're going to do in 2024, not what you just did in 2023. I'm looking at a two to three year period. Production on the field, Stability of your program, talent development and acquisition, and then the pool of resources that you have. And then also your coach matters. Like that kind of goes into stability of the program, but your coach, it matters to me. So that is how we're going to rank the SEC, the new look SEC, and the new look Big Ten. That's the criteria. I'm looking at a two, three year window. Production on the field, stability of the program, talent development and acquisition, re, you know, pool of resources, and your coach. Your coach matters. So let's start with the SEC. I'm not going to waste you guys' time. I know you guys want to hear the top from the bottom, so that's where I'm going to go. At number one with the SEC, the number one SEC program, the top program in the SEC, it's Georgia. <laughs> uh, I don't know why. I don't know why I waited so long. <laughs> it's Georgia. Um, over the past three years, they've won two national championships. Um, over the past two years, their record is 42 and two. Both losses come into Bama, and I'll get to that. Uh, obviously, their program is very stable. This is a very stable program. They recruit as well as anyone in the country. They are what we call a juggernaut their machine each and every year georgia the way how they're functioning right now has a chance to win it all and with saban retiring i can very much make the argument that their head coach kirby smart is the best head coach in the country um definitely the best in the conference but i can make an argument that he is pound for pound as good of a coach as it gets in the country. So I got Georgia at number one in the SEC. I don't think this is really a debate. Um, let's move on to number two. At number two, I have Alabama. Now, back to the, you know, number one not being a debate. If Nick Saban was still coaching, there could very well be an argument that Bama could still be the number one program in the SEC. But coaching does matter here. Nick Saban, 
a legend retires, um, they have beaten Georgia last few times. You know, they, they've, they've been the only team to really beat Georgia. Uh, they are Nick Saban was four and one versus Kirby. Um, so that, that, that was, that's kind of a plus for Bama. They can beat Georgia, but Saban's no longer there. Although I do like the new coach, Kalen DeBoer, I think is a top, easily a top 10 coach in college football. So granted, Alabama loses a legend, but they replace him with a phenomenal coach and offensive mind. I think Kalen DeBoer, granted, things may look a little shaky. I know some people like, you can't pick them, but Bama, they're a mainstay. Um, I, I, hey, Nick Saban left Bama in really good condition with the new operations of how college football work. Yes. Did they lose a lot? Yes. But I, I like and I trust this coaching staff, and I don't know. Last year, they looked more like an eight, eight, nine-win team, but they took to the they took Michigan to the wire in the semi-playoff game. So I expect Bama to be a lot. I expect them to be better. I expect them to be pretty good. Um, but I they recruit just as well as anybody. Um, so like I said, I don't think Kalen DeBoer is a massive downgrade, right? You just you just lose the best coach of all time, and in terms of recruiting. They're neck to neck with Georgia um, in terms of recruiting, and they have the proper commitment and resources. Okay, at three, I have Texas. I have I have Texas, and I know some people are gonna probably not like this, but for all the people that for for the crowd that chants SEC, SEC, the SEC just does it better. Right, right. I know what y'all are, 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 are thinking. I know what you guys are thinking. Texas and OU, they don't, they don't, they don't, they're not ready for the SEC. I know some, I know there is a population of people that think Texas and OU, they're not ready and they're going to have some type of rude awakening. And I, I think those people, I think they got to do some, some, some second guessing. Because I think it's going to be Texas and OU that's going to be handing out the lessons. Texas, both both Texas and OU recruit at a high level. So it's not like they're not getting the same caliber of players as a Georgia, as a Alabama. No, 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 no. These same recruits that Georgia and Alabama want that they're missing out on, they're going to Texas and OU, right? So. You know, I, I I think people they got it a little mistaken. Texas and OU, I think, will be handing out some lessons. Now, granted, yes, it's gonna take them some time to get used to the new conference, but I don't think Texas is worried about that. As I said earlier, though, Sark has them moving in the right direction, right? I think Sark has them. Like I said, I'm. This is not a ranking of projections. I think they're going to have a pretty good 2024, but that's not what this ranking is about, right? It's about the right here, right now. And I would say the reason why I have Texas under Bama and Georgia is because I feel like they lose too many games to inferior opponents over the past few years. 
over the past few years, they lose too many games to inferior opponents. So their on-the-field production does not match up with Bama and Georgia. It just doesn't. It just it simply doesn't. There's a lot of indicators that Texas is pointing in the right direction, and they will soon be – like they will have the on-field production like a Georgia, like a Bama, but they don't have it. Now, I will say this. They recruit as well as anybody. They use the transfer portal as, as well as anybody, right? And Texas, they have just as many resources. Their resources are as deep as anybody. So Texas at three. At four, I got LSU. Granted, they didn't have their best year last year. A lot of that was of defensive matter. They still got some, they got, they still got some Ed Ordron baked in there, right? But they get high in talent. Brian Kelly is an awesome coach. Some question to fit, but they've won double digits in his first two years. They've, they've won double digits games in his first two years. So LSU, they, they recruit really well. I think they're fine. I think they're a defense away from being, a, like, from, from being really good. Their defense last year was atrocious. They couldn't – their secondary couldn't stop the pass. They couldn't get to the quarterback. If their defense, they they brought in some new guys defensively. If their defense can take the next level, they they can be really good this year. Um, at four, at five, I got Oklahoma. Like I told you guys, double digit wins, double double digit win seasons, two of the last three years. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Brent Venables. Hear me out. I am not the biggest fan of Brent Venables, but he has. Three top ten recruiting classes, uh, three top ten recruiting and portal classes combined, and actually he's recruiting a little bit better than Lincoln Riley was at OU. So, I, I'm not, I'm still kind of skeptical of Brent Venables, but he does have some indicators pointing in his direction and pointing as if OU is going to be fine. After the six and seven year, that was his first year. That was horrendous. He has stabilized the program. Um, they have a lot of production coming back for for defense. They got a kid in Jackson Arnold. They still have some questions about their offensive line, but Jackson Arnold is a pretty good quarterback. I like the upside. So I got Oklahoma at five. They recruit as well as they were. They were they've been recruiting really well. Um, and they're committed. They got resources. I got OU at five. At six, this is where it gets interesting. I have Ole Miss. The last three years, Lane Kiffin has gone 29 and 10. He has he's heavy in the portal. He has one of the best porter. He had he had one of the best portals cycle cyclings in this past year, in this past cycle. Um, he has stabilized the program. 2024, as I said, is a huge year for Ole Miss. This could very well be their year to go deep, to first get into the playoffs, but to go deep in the playoffs. They have loaded up on both sides of the ball. I like this Ole Miss team. I really do. I think there's some high upside with this Ole Miss team. At seven, I got Tennessee. I like Josh Heupel. He's a high-end recruiter. They got deep pockets. Um, and resources is not an issue with Tennessee. They just got to get the on-the-field production back. 
They had the one great year with Joe Milton. I mean, with Hendon Hooker. This past year they had Joe Milton. Didn't really work out. Now they got the they got the sensation Nico. So I like this kid Nico at quarterback. So I like Tennessee at seven. Um, like I said, Josh Heupel, he's a high-end offensive mind. He recruits his tail off. And Tennessee, they, Tennessee, man, they have deep pockets. They really do. So I got them at seven. At eight, I got Texas A&M. Staff moves have happened, but I think there's upgrades. I like Mac, Mike Echo. They've been a seven, eight-win program, but the recruiting has been out of this roof. They have lost a lot of and they have lost a lot in the transfer portal, but they've also gained. Their resource, their resource pool is something to not is it's not nothing to be played with. It's something else. I just Texas AM, it's never been about the talent. It's never been about do they have enough resources? Are they committed? They just have never hired the right guy at head coach. They haven't hired the right guy. And I like Mike Echo. He's bringing Colin Klein from Kansas State. He's an underrated offensive coordinator throughout the country. I really like him. So I got Texas A&M at eight. At nine, I got Hugh Freeze. I mean, in Auburn. Hugh Freeze in Auburn. I don't doubt him in terms of a program builder. I also think they had a big time. They they also had a big time recruiting class. They finished number eight in the country. This should be huge. I don't know what they look like this past. I don't know what they look like in 2024, but this seems more like a projection. So I'm not going to continue to go on and on and on because I don't want to be projecting. But I got I got Auburn at nine. Missouri at 10. This is where it starts to get hard. Because last year they had an 11-win season. And I think some people doubt, right? Some people doubt whether or not that was kind of like lightly in the bottle. But, you know, hey, last previous two years prior to the 11-win season, it wasn't great. They've been really good in the portal. They're okay in terms of recruiting. I like Missouri a lot. They're a lot, in terms of a team, they're a lot better than 10. But in terms of a program, overall program, I think 10 is where they're best suited. At 11, I got Kentucky. Now, they got a 10-win season, but then they got a couple of seven-win seasons seven-win seasons sprinkled in there. The on-field production has been better than, I would say, like a South Carolina, right? They have a good portal strategy. They're stable with Mark Stoops. I just need a little bit more consistency. Because, they, like I said, they got the 10-win season, but then it's back-to-back seven-win seasons. So they've found some type of stability with Mark Stoops. But I just need more on-the-field production and consistency. South Carolina. Now, South Carolina, I have them at 12. They're a better recruiter than Kentucky, right? They've had better recruiting classes than Kentucky, but they have been – they haven't been as consistent on the field the past couple years, right? And I will say this. I'm a cape for South Carolina a little bit. Their schedules are brutal. Their schedules over the past several years have been brutal. So they may be better than what their record actually says, but I have them at 12. Boy, oh, boy. At 13, I have Florida. The resource pool that Florida has is great, right? And it's it's a whole lot better 
than the teams that they're surrounding, right? But the fall from grace with Florida is just absolutely phenomenal. Their on-field production has been piss poor. I'm talking three straight sub-500 seasons, but also they finished top 20 in recruiting class in the, in the, in the, in recruiting classes the last three seasons. So their problem isn't getting talent. They they have they have been acquiring talent. They have a good brand. Iconic is huge, but they just aren't winning. And looking at that 2024 schedule, it is not going to be easy for Billy Napier. That 2024 schedule is insane. It's a little insane. But like I said, they recruit well, good resources. They just don't win games. They've just been ass. They haven't been good at all. 14, I got Arkansas. Regression has taken place here, clearly. They've gone from 9-4, and 7-6 to 4-8. and eight. Some staff turnover. This is They're not in a great spot stability-wise. They're decent in recruiting. Not great, but not horrible. They're just decent. They're meh. I got Arkansas at 14. At 15, Mississippi State. This is this is like dead in the water. You know, these last few teams, they're just dead in the water, right? Um, Mississippi State, they're not in a good spot in a good spot. Obviously, Mike Leach passing away did not help. But the last three years, they have had three coaches. Zach Arnold, the Zach Arnold hiring was a complete disaster. Didn't think he was an SEC caliber coach. They have a first year head coach in Jeff Levy. Um they can get talent, but I feel like Mississippi State, you know, there's too many questions with very few answers, right? A lot of question marks, but I I struggle to see any answers. So I got them at 15. And then at 16, the cap it all off, I got Vanderbilt. They have nine wins in three years. They went winless in the conference. They are dead in the water. That is my SEC program rankings for 2024. Um, let's move on to the Big Ten. We're going to do the Big Ten. All right, so we're moving on to the Big Ten. And um, this, might, this might rub some people the wrong way, but as I said, these are program rankings. The criteria is a two- to three-year snapshot um, on average, right? Uh Recruiting matters. I'm looking at recruiting. Your head coach matter. Stability matters. You know, on-field production definitely matters. Talent development acquisition matters. So here it goes. At one, I got Ohio State. Um, I think they're the number one program in the in, in the Big Ten. They have three straight 11 win seasons. They have their top five in recruiting classes in the last three years. They have an insane deep pool of resources and pockets as they have shown you with the whole nil and transfer portal this cycle they have gone absolutely berserk so ohio state is at number one for me um a lot of people doubt ryan day but the dude is 33 and six in the last three years he's 33 and six in the last three years and look look and just look at who he's losing to Right, he, he ain't just losing to anybody. He's losing. He lost to Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. He lost to Georgia. He lost to Alabama. 
this this program is in a really good spot. Um, I like the chip. I like the hiring of Chip Kelly. I low key think it's an upgrade from Bill O'Brien. They originally they originally had had hired Bill O'Brien to be their offensive coordinator. Bill O'Brien then he then takes the Boston job, the Boston College job, fifteen minutes later, and um, then they you know the ability the 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 actual option of hiring chip kelly became real they hired chip kelly i think this is a win i think chip kelly is a better offensive coordinator um and a better play caller than bill o'brien and i think chip kelly's offensive philosophy is going to really mesh in really well with this high-end talent um that ohio state has on offense at two i have michigan now in terms of the on on the field production they, if it was just strictly on the field production, Michigan would be number one, absolutely. Um, but it's a mixture of a lot of things, right? Um, they have, th- but they have three straight Big Ten titles, three straight playoff appearances. They're forty and three over the past three years. Obviously, they have the national championship. Now, get this: they have back-to-back classes outside of the top ten in recruiting. Now. I know that might come as, as a surprise to some people, but it's really not. Michigan, what Harbaugh kind of built was a developmental program, right? They didn't. They don't rely on having top five recruiting classes to be really, really good. They they develop their guys. They don't finish top ten. They don't finish. They finish within the top twenty, but they don't finish top ten. Right. Um, in the past back to back years, they haven't finished in the top ten. The reason why I got them at number two, obviously, is it's a lot of staff turnaround. M- Michigan has a lot of staff turnaround. Sharon Moore, he's taking over a re- a well steady program, but he's a first year head coach. He's a first year head coach, and he had to replace basically his entire staff. Also, Michigan, they're losing eighteen guys to the NFL. So there's a lot of turnaround, roster turnaround, and also coaching turnaround. So I got Michigan at two. At number three, I got Oregon. This program is surging. I think it's only going to get better. They have 32 wins in the last three years. Dan Lanning has put his identity on this team. He's put this, he's put his imprint on his teams in this program. They're 22 and five since since he's taken over. Um, they have back-to-back top 10 recruiting classes. This year, they finished number three in the country. They portal just as well, and they have a maximum investment and maximum resource pool. I, Oregon, they're really good. Oregon is really, really good. Um, it's a whole lot of elite. I like this program. I think their first year going into the Big Ten, they should probably i it would not it would not surprise me if they were neck and neck with ohio state in terms of contending for the big 10 conference championship it would not surprise me at all i that's how highly i think of oregon um i think they're one of the five best teams in this in this year in the country um so i got them at 3 at 4 i got penn state this program is very good it's not much there's not much elite if any but just throughout through and through they're very good they have three classes in the top in the top 15 and recruiting over the past three years um one could argue 
that Penn State should absolutely be the sponsor for the playoff expansion. Like, they're going to benefit greatly from the 12-team playoff. Because get this, they have finished top 12 six times in the playoff era, but have no playoff, no, no playoff appearances. So if you're, so basically if they maintain the caliber of program that they have been, they'll be in the, they'll be in the college football playoff. Like this playoff, this expanding the playoff, this is like Penn state. They should be the sponsor. They're like the post. They should be the poster child of college football playoff expansion because literally they're going to benefit probably the most out of probably out of any team in the country. Florida State fans will have something to say about that as well. But they're going to benefit. They're going to benefit from it the most because they so many times throughout the playoff era, they have been in the thick of it, but they have missed out because of the stupid Big Ten divisions. They're in the East, so they have to play Michigan and Ohio State both every year and they just end up losing to that point though there's a group of people that call penn state overrated and i hate when people say this team is overrated or this player is overrated well how are they rated when we're talking about being overrated we gotta then first analyze well how would they rate it because most people that I hear and my my opinion and most people that I hear talk about college football usually have Penn State rated below Michigan and Ohio State. So how are they overrated? Right? Oh, they can't beat Michigan or Ohio State. Yes. That is why they're usually ranked below those two programs. <laughs> right? People just want to put out they're overrated they can't beat they can't win the big game they can't james franklin can't beat jim harbaugh in ohio state oh okay okay who can <laughs> you know who can uh you know I, they beat the teams they're supposed to beat right year in year out they beat the teams they're supposed to beat and they lose to the teams that they're supposed to lose to they're perfectly rated i think penn state is arguably the most perfectly rated program in the country no one I, no 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 one that i know of ranks them above ohio state or michigan so they're rated really properly right they're rated really properly i just think people love the overrated thing because they're not overrated they're not they're perfectly rated actually also lastly um and i they they recruit like i said they recruit really well I would love to see them invest a little bit more energy and time with NIL. I, I would love to see them invest a little bit more in NIL. Okay, at number five, I got USC. Now, let me explain this. I think there is a gap between four and five. I think there is a gap. So granted, I have USC in my top five. But there is some drop-off between Penn State and USC. There's a gap. Um, recruiting has been good under Lincoln Rally, not elite. It's been good, but not elite. Um, they have they have a lot of turnover 
in terms of staff turnover and philosophy wise, right? And I still have I, I still have faith in Lincoln Rally, but he's taking some big swings um defensively on his staff. And it's tough to learn on the fly or try to reinvent yourself uh physically, especially in the conference like the Big Ten. Um, based on the adjustments he's trying to make, he this feels like a year one product. You know, he's changing some things philosophically. Um, there's some defensive staff turnover. Granted, I know he's going into year three at USC, but this feels like a year one kind of vibe. I get the vibe that, you know, this is going to be year one kind of product. And at least he has some, he has enough awareness to know that the way they were going to, the way that they were doing things was not going to work in the Big Ten. So he has enough wherewithal to change and try to make the necessary adjustments to the Big Ten and what he needs to be successful in the Big Ten. And one of those things, and one of those things is being able to acquire and develop talent along the line of scrimmage. And that's where the separation is. When I mentioned Ohio State, Michigan, Oregon, and Penn State, you know what the separation is between those between those programs and USC? A lot of it has to do with the play of the line of scrimmage. Oregon gets really good line of scrimmage play. Ohio State last year, they got really good offensive line and defensive line, line of scrimmage play. Michigan, under Jim Harbaugh, that was their bread and butter. I don't see that changing much. And Penn State, they're right there. So I, with USC, I think there's a – I have them at five, but I think there is a gap between Penn State and USC. I think Penn State is significantly better. And USC this year, it, it with Lincoln Riley, with some of those big defensive swings that he's making on his staff, um, he basically he has a new defensive coordinator, um, Deontay Lynn. Uh, he's from USC. I mean, he's from UCLA. He got a new linebacker coach. He got a new DB coach. He has it like so. He's just overhauling a lot on the defense. So it feels like a year one product. And I'm just not sure how they're going to fare. But the last two three years, this is what USC is right now. This is who they are as a program. There's a gap between Penn State and USC. At six, I have Washington. Last two years, they're 25-3. and three. They got the national championship appearance, but Kalen DeBoer leaves. They hire Jed Fish, who was a good hire. I love the fact that Washington, they're all in and they're invested. Um, but overall, their recruitment has to get better. But Washington... I think they're I think they're gonna be okay in the Big Ten. In terms of a program, the stability kinda is gone, right? They lost Ryan Grubb. They lost obviously Kalen DeBoer. Um, they still have Chris Peterson like overseeing things. So that's why I like the Jed Fish hire. Um Jed Fish thinks he did some pretty good phenomenal things at Arizona. So I got Washington at six. At seven, I got Iowa. Iowa is consistent. Um, it's just copy and paste for them. They're gonna be, you know, you know, they're gonna be good defensively. Um, 
they're going to struggle to score points offensively. If only Iowa's football team could score points like Iowa's women's basketball team, we'd be having a whole different conversation. (laughs) But they can't. They're just a carbon copy every year. They're consistent. They're clearly not as good as those other schools, as as I've mentioned. Like, they're not as good as Ohio State or Michigan or Oregon. They're not as good as those squads. They're not as good as those schools. But everybody else in the Big Ten, they they beat up on everyone else. Um, they have a style, they have a culture. Um, that style it, it doesn't have a high end upside, right? Like the upside of that style, it, it's it's not very high end. But that's who they are. I got them at seven, at eight, a little tough. But I got Maryland. Um, this is a tough ranking. But here's hear, hear me out. Last three years. They go seven and six, and then they go back to back eight and five seasons. Now I feel like this don't get talked about enough, but Maryland, if it wasn't for them being parked on the east side of the Big Ten in terms of division wise, where they had to play Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State, one could argue that over the past couple of years they have been good enough to win the Big Ten West, but they haven't. They had they like they they're in the Big Ten East, so their upside has kind of been limited. It's kind of it's kind of been put to a halt because they got to play those three big boys. Now that the Big Ten no longer has the divisions and it's not the Big Ten East, Big Ten West, you know they can make some more noise because I feel like over the past couple of years under Mike Loskley, they have been good enough to possibly win the Big Ten West if they were actually in the Big Ten West. They got a they they they're recruiting. They're a top 30 to 40 recruiting program. So I, I like I like Maryland at eight. I think that's a pretty good rating. Um ranking. Uh at nine, I got Wisconsin. I like Luke Fickle a lot. He's a they got he had, um they're a top five recruit top 25 recruiter under him. For me, Wisconsin need another winning season. They went seven and six under him last year, um, they need another winning season season before I elevate them um, a little higher in this ranking. Uh, offensively, they were not as good as I thought they would be last year. They played pretty good defense, but I, I a little bit more offensively. At 10, I got Nebraska. They're not as consistent as Maryland or Wisconsin. But they have consecutive top 25 recruiting classes. Um, but they lack in terms of on-field results, right? They they lack in terms of on-field production. On-field production, uh, they went five and seven last year. I like the fact that I like Matt Rule. I trust him as a program builder. But as I said, when we're looking at the Iowas, the Merlins, the Wisconsins, Nebraska kind of falls short. The reason why they have this number 10 ranking is it has a lot to do with the resources that they have. They got some pretty good resources. They got some money. Um, and they're, they've been a top 25 recruiter over the past couple of years. So that's one thing they have going for themselves. At 11, I got Minnesota. They have two nine-win seasons out of the last three. But then this past year, they go 500. And their recruiting is, uh, like, resources, uh. Right. Recruiting is uh, I like P.J. Fleck, but they got to do a better job of recruiting up there in Minnesota. 
um, before I elevate them any higher. Uh, they went 500. I, I'm just not huge on them. At 12, I got Michigan State. I like Jonathan Smith. I like the Jonathan Smith hire. A lot of people don't know Jonathan Smith, but he was Oregon State's coach, and he has he had a couple good years at Oregon State. Um, I like him, but he just got there half an hour ago. They have back-to-back losing seasons. Michigan State is not in a good spot. Um, so I, as much as I like Jonathan Smith, he just got there 15 minutes ago, right? <laughs> and Michigan State has not been good. So I got them at 12. At 13, I got Purdue. Recruiting, uh. Results, uh. I mean, they're Purdue, right? It's it's Purdue. At 14, I got Rutgers. Rutgers, I, I you know, if there's any Rutgers, if there's any Rutgers fans out there listening, they have a really doable schedule. They have a really, really flexible schedule, right? So I could there there with Greg Schiano, there could be some improvement. There could be some improvement here because they have a really flexible schedule. They don't play Michigan, they don't play Ohio State, they don't play Oregon, they don't play Penn State. So they they don't play basically the top four teams. The top four teams in the conference they do not play. Okay, there it goes. There it goes. Don't don't tell me. Don't tell me. I didn't tell you so. Early bet. Put your bet in. Go to FanDuel. Go to Prize Picks. Wherever you, whoever guys you put some money on Rutgers five and a half over five and a half wins might actually be there. Um, at fifteen, I got UCLA. Chip Kelly has left, and I would describe to to describe UCLA. I would describe it as they're in a state of influx, um, a state of flux. From top to bottom, uh, their national signing day was horrible. Zero new commits signed. Um, they finished with the worst recruiting class in the Big Ten. They finished 86 nationally in terms of recruiting class. That's the worst in UCLA recruiting class modern history. They're not in a good spot. UCLA, they're 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 heading in, they're heading in the wrong direction. Entering into the Big Ten. Bad, bad, bad news. At 16, I have Illinois recruiting. Uh, uh, Levy Smith. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Illinois at 16. At 17, I have Northwestern. They're 4 and 20 over the past, you know, in a two year span. But then this past year, they went 8 and 5, but they didn't even finish top 100 in recruiting. I don't know what to do with that. At 18, last but not least, Indiana, last three years, they've gone nine and twenty-seven. Last three years, they've gone nine and twenty-seven. So that's going to conclude my Big Ten rankings. Um, like I said, I you know I think there's a gap between USC at you between Penn State and USC at four and five. Granted, I got them at four and five, but there is a substantial gap. So that is going to conclude it. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed. I can't. I'm, I'm, we're going to talk more college football. I know a lot of you guys been be back. You guys beg for more college football content. So we'll do that. I'll do that for you. I make that happen. But always remember, two choices, one decision. I am gone. Peace, deuces. I'm out.